If you're anything like me, you spent your childhood assuming that one day you'd meet your Prince Charming. You'd get married, you'd have a nice house in the suburbs, a dog, a career, and a couple of kids. It never crossed your mind that Prince Charming wouldn't come along, or that tragically you'd lose him before his time, or that your marriage wouldn't work out, or even that your biological clock would have other ideas. Or maybe you never really wanted that sort of happily ever after. Maybe you never wanted a man, but you did know you always wanted children. We're living in an age where for the first time, women can embrace motherhood on their own terms. They no longer have to put their lives on hold waiting for the right man, or settling for someone who they know isn't right for them, just so they can become a mother. More women than ever before are embarking on the journey to become what's known as a solo mother by choice. And while for a lot of us it doesn't feel like a choice, but more a necessity, the bottom line is there are now options for you to be able to fulfill your dreams of motherhood if the traditional route isn't playing out as expected. The No Need for Prince Charming podcast will share stories of Australian women who have successfully become solo mothers by choice. They each have a unique story as to why they decided to pursue motherhood in this way and the journey they had to go through to make this dream a reality. The hope is that by sharing these stories, you'll have the knowledge and the confidence to embark on this amazing journey yourself if you determine it's the right one for you. In the words of Walt Disney, all of our dreams can come true if we have the courage to pursue them. All you need is faith, trust, and a little bit of pixie dust. To celebrate 30 amazing stories being shared with you, I thought I'd do something a little bit different for this bonus episode. So I've actually interviewed a known donor. I thought you'd all appreciate hearing a male side of the perspective of what they go through when they're considering being a donor. And if anyone out there is considering using a known donor situation, this has got some great advice for you. I hope you enjoy it. Welcome to the podcast tonight, Mike. Ah, not a girl. What's going on there? I thought we'd do a bit of a, a special bonus episode tonight. And I have a wonderful guest, Mike, who is going to talk to us about his journey to actually become a donor. So the other side of the fence, which I'm sure all of my listeners will love to hear about. So thank you so much for your time, Mike. And I would love to start with just hearing a bit about you and how you ended up becoming a donor. Hey, Alicia, um, thanks so much for having me on. I know that I don't fit the, the mold of your usual uh, interviewee. So um, I'm really excited and um, a bit honored to be here, if I'm honest. So thanks again. Um, well, the process that I went through uh, to become a donor dad, so I'll give you a bit of background. Um, again, slightly outside your, your normal sort of listener, uh, it's, it's not a single mom by choice, it's actually a female couple uh, who approached me and asked me to be a donor dad for them. Mm -hmm. uh, it is uh, someone that I know previously, it's someone from my, from my social circle. Uh, it's actually my best mate's sister and her partner. Yeah. Uh, so we are all very close anyway. And um, it was funny, um, they did it in a really interesting way. They sent me a Facebook message um, rather than kind of having me over and sitting me down and, and asking me about it. And it was, I still remember the day, you know, you have those moments in your life where everything changes and you're not expecting it, it comes out of nowhere. So I was sat down on a Sunday, I was eating my lunch and oh, you get your little ping and open up a message. And it went, oh, you know, how are you doing? Hope things are well. By the way, we think we want to start a family. How would you feel about being a donor dad? <laughs> and um, wow. it's interesting because um, it's actually, a, when I look back on it, it was a really good way to do it. And they even said in the message further down, you know, we wanted you to not be put on the spot and we wanted you to be able to react and think about it and, you know, get back to us when you, when you can. Um, so that was really good, actually. And um, 
I did go back to them and say, look, I'm definitely open to this idea. Um, I do want to sit down and talk through the details before I make a final decision. So we then did have a dinner together. We talked it through uh, and that's that's how that kind of started. That's how we got uh, kicked off. What was um, the first was, thing that went through your head when you read that message? Was it a like hell no or or maybe or you know like if it came completely out of the blue what was the first thing that went through your brain do you think it did come completely out of the blue it was um it was a, it was definitely a positive reaction i can't tell you exactly what the emotion or the reaction was but it was a positive one um i guess i'd always wondered if i would have kids um just to add an extra layer to it i'm a single gay man um so you know never was never sure if i was going to have kids of my own um, and I'd always thought about, you know, if someone does ask me to be a donor, um, would I say yes? So I'd already had those conversations with myself in my head previously. Did not expect it to come from this quarter <laughs> or at that time. So it, it was out of the blue, but it was very much a, a pretty, pretty strong positive yes in my head. Uh, but I wanted to make sure that we had a chat about it and make sure we were all on the same page about what would be the expectations for both sides, being a known donor and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so I didn't say yes or no right away. I said, let's talk about it, but I'm open and we'll go from there. Probably the fact that you said I'm open, they would have just been like, oh my God, you've made my day. <laughs> Yeah, so it would have been, cool. imagine, I don't know if you've talked to them about it, but how hard it would have been to, for them to actually pluck up the courage to ask you as well. It would have probably been oh, I'm sure. I mean, I know I haven't asked them, but I'm sure that it, it would have taken, taken the guts. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So you sat down and you were talking through what sort of things did you have a conversation when you were studying, processing with them, whether this was something you wanted to do? Yeah, sure. Well, I told them I definitely wanted to talk to my family about it. Um, I'm really close to my folks. I wanted to make sure that they would be on board um, because, you know, when, when you have a non-nuclear family, and I'm sure that you've had this with some of your listeners, you never know how people are going to react. You never know how people are going to respond. I wanted to be sure that all of my family had also a nice, good, positive feeling about it, good reaction. Um, you know, if, if anyone had had a very, you know, very strong negative reaction to it, that would have definitely factored into my decision as well. But uh, luckily, thankfully, everyone was on board. So that was great. Um, we talked about, you know, I did have a partner at the time. So I said, I'm going to have to discuss that with him and um, all that kind of stuff. And then we talked about um, just our broad expectations, really, um, being, being a known donor, being, you know, would it be would I be in the child's life or would I not be in the child's life? What would that look like? Uh, those sorts of questions, uh, which led on to a donor agreement. Um, so a bit of background, we went through an IVF clinic. Uh, we went through um, one, of the, one of the larger ones, um, which had a requirement for donor counselling and couple counselling. So they went through counselling together, the two of them. I went through counselling with the same counsellor, but separately. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we had joint counselling sessions, all three of us together with the, with the same counsellor. Um, and those were spread out over um, sort of several weeks uh, to make sure that uh, and in between the counselling sessions, with three of us talked to each other as well. Uh, just sort of check in, make sure that what we were discussing um, Everyone was on the same page, really. And, you know, my expectations and their expectations lined up. 
luckily they did, uh, which is great. But um, it was it was a very important part of that process, I think. Um, and I mean, even when we started, we probably went, oh, what do we need to do counselling for? We know each other, everything's fine, whatever. Uh, but when we went through it, we kind of went, oh, yeah, this is actually really important. Um, there were probably a few questions that the counsellor brought up that we hadn't thought about. And then we then discussed those things, made sure everyone was happy. So very important, I think, mm -hmm. uh, to go through the counselling sessions. Um, and then we drew up a donor agreement, um, which I know I've heard some of your uh, previous interviewees have got those as well in place. Um, for those who, who don't know, we didn't go to a, a lawyer uh, to review the contracts or, any, or the donator, donation agreement, sorry. Uh, it's just an agreement that we drew up three of us together and sort of hashed out. Um, so it's not like it's a, it's not a legal document or anything by any stretch of the imagination. It's just writing down what we all expect and, um, you know, what we see for the future for us and the and child. So, yeah. And so some of the things that you had to sort of consider and, and get your head around with, were you thinking about what the relationship would be with any child that resulted from, from this donation? Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, I do remember at the start, one of my first kind of questions was, are you asking me to be part of this child's life or are you saying, hey, we want your donation and go away kind of thing? Um, and I knew off the bat that if it was the second option, I wouldn't be up for it. I'd want to be involved. Um, that's just how I felt. Um and again, luckily, it was it was the first option. So they said, yes, we absolutely want you to be involved in their lives. Um, and this is how we see that playing out, um, you know, getting to visit and getting to be involved and, and that kind of thing. So we talked through, uh, you know, contact and things like that in the agreement. And, you know, um, one of the things I guess that I would say is good advice for people who go through this kind of thing is to really ask those awkward questions like, okay, what happens if knock on wood, something happens to one of you and, you know, who gets custody of the child or if you split up because this happens to be a couple, you know, if you split up, what would happen then? Um, I know that that won't necessarily be, uh, you know, the situation for your SMBCs, but, you know, similar sorts of what if scenarios, uh, if you're talking to your donor, what does the future look like if this happens? What does the future look like if that happens? Uh, we didn't really think about it at the start, but we talked through it, through the process. And that was really important, I think, as well. So, I'm sure the counselling would have brought up a lot of those awkward questions that you probably wouldn't have thought about yeah. as well. So Absolutely. Really yeah, good definitely. to have them uh, <laughs> on the table early, I imagine. Yeah. And yeah, so... Absolutely. You did talk about how you'd be referred to by any we did. as well. We did. So um, I am, so we have a little boy. He He's 18 months uh, next week. Congratulations. Uh, thank you. Yeah, I actually went up to see them uh, just this weekend on, on Sunday and we had a bit of a play. Um, he actually said my name for the first time, uh, which is really exciting. So I'm known as Mike. Um, and then we've we've decided sort of I will, I'll be Mike to start uh, and then if he gets older and understands the relationship you know he'll they'll always be upfront and honest that Mike is 
his donor dad or his biological father. If he decides he wants to call me something other than Mike, that's up to him. When he gets older enough, um, older enough, sorry, when he gets old enough to make any alternate decisions. But for now, I'm Mike and that's how we go. So what was the process you actually had to go through in order to make your donation, I guess, for, for the girls to be able to conceive using you? Yeah, sure. Uh, so basically what happened was I went into the IVF clinic for an initial appointment uh, where they did an STI check uh, mm-hmm. and I met the um, the doctor that the girls were using as well. Uh, so I had, a, had an appointment with her and we had a bit of a chat about uh, medical history and things like that. Um, I did provide a full medical history uh, to the girls and also to the clinic as well. So that um, you know, I think that's fairly important as well, even though we're we're in a known donor situation and they can just call me up and say, hey, you know, what about this? Um, knowing that your full medical history up front, I think is is part of that, that process. And I'm sure that it's the same, whether it's a known or unknown donor. So that was that first, um, first appointment there. Uh, and then from there, um, I dealt with the support team at the clinic who would call me up and schedule um, visits me to uh, make the actual donations. And those were about two weeks apart. So it would be... Okay. Donation, two weeks, another one, two weeks, and then another one. Uh, we did three appointments for that. Uh, so there were three donations in full. Uh, and then what they did was at the end, three months after that initial STI check, I did another STI check. Uh, and then once that one came back clear, they, they kind of went, yep, thumbs up. You can The girls can now use these donations because they did a screening sort of a pre and a post um, just to make sure there's that three-month period there. Um, yeah, that was essentially what we went through. Um, I, I was a little bit naive in that um, when I was talking to one of the support team, you know, making one of my appointments, I said, look, is three enough? I'm happy to make more donations, more appointments. You know, what if I know that everyone's um, journey is a bit different and what if it takes more than three goes? And she just kind of laughed and went, it, it's not one per go. <laughs> you get several um, several shots out of each donation i went okay great very good so and was three just kind of recommended so you've got a good supply so they had lots of chances with that yeah so i think um from memory it was seven or eight um straws out of each donation and each straw is a um so that's like 21 all up can i do maths yeah 21 donations all up (laughs) Yeah, okay. So once they once they explained it to me, I was like, okay, cool. Because I thought, you know, what if we go through three rounds and then we have to do the whole process again and wait another three months? But they kind of put that at ease by explaining how that all worked. And so they've just got the extra straws just on ice at that clinic for next time if they decide to to try for a second child? Uh, they do, yeah. So I believe um, whenever anyone goes through this process with a known donor, they can decide to either destroy the remaining uh, donor or to keep them on ice um, and I believe you pay a fee like a, a storage fee to sort of keep them going for however long you decide to. Yeah it's a pretty similar if you have embryos you get to store them at a cost so I guess you're doing the same with the sperm. Pretty much. And were there any rules or anything that you had to adhere to during that process like you're not allowed to have sex or anything so yeah, no, I'll be very, very candid with everybody. Um, there was no mandate that you couldn't have sex um, during that period. But I was very paranoid and I went, you know what? I'm just not going to. Yeah. <laughs> I um, I thought I would hate for, knock on wood, our test to come back and then everything's, you know, the whole timeline's blown out um, because of 
something. So I just went, you know what? I'm just not even going to go there. So um, I personally abstained through that three-month period, uh, but the clinic did not by any stretch of the imagination say you're not allowed to have any sexual activity whatsoever. And did you consider doing anything to improve your diet or anything like that going into making your donations for the best chances where you just went, yeah, have what I've got? <laughs> uh, I didn't. Um, that's an interesting question. I've never really thought about that before that um, that didn't come in I guess there were um that's probably a, a pretty male thought I guess um there were some thoughts going through my head oh I wonder if everything works okay and you know um motility and, and whatever they call it but um it obviously did because it worked so um uh they they never sort of got back to me and said you have excellent sperm or Aww. mediocre sperm or or not so great um they just kind of want a little certificate to say thanks for your donation it was tops <laughs> <laughs> a ranking or something yeah no yeah. they <laughs> didn't didn't give any kind of detail like that they just said yeah everything's fine so. Okay. so i guess best case scenario if you're using a clinic it's going to take at least three months and that's just to get the, the sperm to be able to do anything with it and then there'll be treatment after that I'm pretty sure three is the the minimum, yeah, and this and the standard. So, thank you for sharing that um that insight into what our prospective donors will potentially be going through. Yeah, my pleasure. And so you went through a fertility clinic, and then you just did you go through IVF or IUI to help them conceive? Uh, it was IVF. Um, so I know that they did uh, one lot of egg collection, uh, and I think they got four or five uh, embryos from that egg collection. And um, I, I'm pretty sure, but don't quote me 100%, I'm pretty sure that um, our little guy was the fresh transfer. And it, I, I do know that the first time it worked, um, so we were very lucky in that respect. Uh, but they do still have a couple of embryos um, from, from that extraction as well, yeah. So I guess when you were initially having the conversation, did you also talk about how many children they would have through your donation or was that completely up to them or did you get a say or a view uh yeah we didn't say you know oh we want x number of children but we said we talked about you know everything that we're talking about now is for this one child that we're thinking about having mm -hmm. um but are you open to if we decide we want more children down the track would you donate again um would you be open to that and i said yeah absolutely so um you know if one day they turn around and say, hey, Mike, we, we want to expand our family, then absolutely for sure. So I guess they've already got the embryos that potentially they could use, but if worse yeah. comes to worse and they don't stick, because we know that it can take <laughs> sometimes mm -hmm. a bit, then they've got that option here. Yeah. So did you, you said that you talked to your family and your partner at the time about this donation. Did you have anyone who had any negative views or challenging views that you had to process through? No, we were very lucky, I'd say, because um, as I said, you know, I was conscious of the fact that we might get some some negative reactions from certain people, but we didn't, um, which was really great. I did have one cynical friend who said, oh, kids are expensive, but that, like, you know, just jokingly. Um, but no, everyone was very supportive. I do remember we, we don't really do a lot of social media stuff, um, but there was a pregnancy announcement made on social media and I was allowed to then share that to my social media and say hey oh, wow. this really cool thing is happening um, I'm going to be a donor dad for these two people and the outpouring of positive emotion was just incredible it was awesome 
So how do you feel now that there is a child? Um, when he was born, did you feel how you thought you would? Did you feel differently now that it was it's actually real? <laughs> yeah, no, I understand. Um, look, I think that it's very different when there's a concept as opposed to a baby. Um, and I'm sure that a lot of people have that have that difference. Um, conceptually, you know, it was all theoretical, right? We were talking about, oh, if we have a child and then and then they got pregnant on, oh, great, you know, fingers crossed, everything goes well. Uh, I do remember meeting him for the first time. Unfortunately, he was born during COVID. Um, so I wasn't able to, yeah, <laughs> wasn't able to be at the hospital or anything like that. Um, and then when they came home, there was probably, I think there was a little bit more of a gap before I went to go meet him just to be super safe. Uh, but I do remember one thing I was not expecting um, was when I held him for the first time and, it, and like you say, oh, this is a baby, this is a person. Because um, I thought to myself, I wonder how I'm going to feel when I hold this baby for the first time because, you know, these girls are the parents and I'm the donor dad, but I'm not the parent. And how that would feel for me and how it would feel for them having me in the room with the baby, like, you know, all of those things are running through my head and I and I held him, I picked him up and I did feel a really strong, just, I guess it's a caveman thing or a biological visceral something. I just felt this really protective urge wash over me um, when I held him for the first time, which was really cool. I wasn't expecting it to be that strong but it was it was very strong and it was it was a very very good emotion to have yeah did it make you think differently like when you gave him back to his parents or were you was that an easy thing for you to do or was there a little nagging of oh oh <laughs> uh, it was probably a little bit i'd say but yeah. i mean no it wasn't it wasn't like no give him back kind of thing it was you know i was <laughs> very easily able to hand him hand him back kind of thing um i just i guess i wasn't expecting such a strong overwhelming emotion to happen uh at that at that moment but it was it was a good good reaction um there was there was no hard feelings when i went to hand it back to his mums or anything like that it was all all very positive um and we all got to meet together with with my best mate so the, the brother of one of the mums and and his partner and, and their kid and we all met together and it was a big sort of family affair so it was it was nice yeah and so you're single at the moment but i'm sure hoping for love at some point how early in a relationship do you think you'd be telling a new partner about the child? Is it sort of a part of your identity now or is it just something? Um, well, I don't know, Alicia. I mean, you taught everyone that no one needs a Prince Charming. Maybe I don't need one either. Hey? <laughs> um, we don't need no, them. We but, just want um, some cuddles occasionally. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'd, I'd say pretty early. I mean, it's, I think it's a, it's a fairly important thing to talk about with a potential partner. We do have in our donation agreement that... Um, the girls would meet my partner before, or any new partner before that partner then met the child. Um, so, like, I wouldn't just rock up with him one day for a visit and be like, "Hey, this is my new my new partner." Um, it would be a sort of a two stage: meet the parents first, then then meet the kid. So, uh, we we talked about that definitely. Uh, but yeah, no, I'd be I'd be pretty upfront about it. I think if I if I met someone said, "Yeah, I've, I'm a donor dad." 
and I've got a a little biological boy uh, out there. Yeah. So. Hmm. Do you think it's changed your mind on whether or not you want kids? I thought that you would ask me this question, and I, you know what, I really don't have an answer for you. Um, I thought about it, and. <laughs> I guess there's a part of me that kind of goes, you know what, now there is, I've passed on my genes, I've done that, I've ticked that box, if that makes sense. Um, so I don't I don't know if I will then also want to have kids that I raise as a parent um, separate to this kid and any any future kids that, that the girls might have. Um, I don't know. <laughs> Honestly, I, I sat and thought about this uh, before we before we hooked up tonight, and I, I don't know if it has changed how I feel about having kids for myself or not. Um, it would definitely be a sort of cross that bridge when I get to it kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And do you think you would be open to donating for anyone else in the future if the right person came along? Uh, do you mean to create another family? Yeah. Oh, look, never say never. Um, I haven't really thought about that, if I'm honest. Um, I'm definitely open to expanding this family. Uh, as far as creating more families, I, oh, I don't know. <laughs> you put me on the spot there, Alicia. Potentially. I, I, I mean, if someone approached me, I would go through the same process of you know, consideration and talking to people. I would then obviously also talk to the girls in that in that instance and say, hey, another another person has approached me because then those would be half siblings for their children. Mm. So I feel like it would only be right to discuss with them too before then going out and starting another family. So, so I guess anyone who makes an anonymous donation through a clinic in Australia, I think most states it varies. I think the maximum is like nine families that can be created from that donation that you mm -hmm. may or may not ever have some form of relationship with those children. Do you think anonymous donation would be quite a different mindset for you? And for me personally? Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, I can only speak for myself, right? Um, yeah, it's not my cup of tea. I don't think I would be an anonymous donor. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know. I guess I just, I would, if I knew that there was a part of me out there somewhere, I would want to know about it and I'd want to be a part of it. Uh, you know, I have dreams of, you know, as, as this little guy gets older, you know, being involved in his life, I want to teach him to cook. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a massive cook. I love to bake and to cook. So, you know, teaching him how to do those things, that's, that's a really important thing for me. So if I were an anonymous donor and then I found out 20 years later, hey, there's a whole adult who's been walking around out there um, that I haven't known and I haven't been there for those, you know, important moments. Um, I you know, don't think that that would be for me. I think I, I would only do uh, known and involved donor connections. So uh, to put that in perspective, I actually have a friend who's a donor mm -hmm. um, and his situation is that the parents um, got his donation and the kid knows um, that he is their donor father, uh, but they have no contact. So they don't, they don't interact. And, um, you know, when the kid gets old enough, if they want to reach out to him, they have his contact details. 
but there's really no sort of involvement. And yeah, I, I just, I don't think that would be for me. <laughs> Do you know how he finds that situation? Um, not really. I, I I think that he's pretty cool with it. Otherwise, um, I'm sure he would have told me because we did have a bit of a chat when I was considering yeah. um, what I would do. And I said, hey, I've, you've been through this. Um, how how did you feel about it and that kind of thing? Um, and he seemed very positive about the whole situation. So I think that suits him and this suits me and off we go. There's donors out there for every situation, hopefully. So I think that's covered off most of my main questions, but I did go out to um, some of my followers and see if anyone else had any questions. So if you don't mind, we'll run through some of them. Um, so one of them was, had you considered being a donor before you were asked? And it sounded like you had done that. I had, yeah, I had put the hypothetical situation in my head and played through that. And I'd landed on the side of, yes, I would have done it. Um, yeah. When it, when it was a hypothetical, I thought, if someone did ever ask me, would I do it? And the answer was yes. So, yeah. Um, and then we've asked about, would you consider more donations? And you've said yes, depending on the families, but not anonymous. So good that you've already processed all of that sort of thing, I think. Um, this is a weird one. Were you ever worried about being asked for child support? No. Um, so I did have a couple of friends come out of the woodwork and say, hey, are you on the hook for child support with this? And and ask in, I guess, what was a concerned tone. But to me, it was from like, a good place, but it's from a good yeah. place, but it sounded a bit. Ugh, and I kind of went, well, no, um, I'm not. Firstly, to answer the question, I'm not worried about that. Um, secondly, uh, I'm not on the birth certificate as well. So both of the mothers are on the birth certificate. Um, I don't know how that would be different for SMBCs. Um, it was, I actually saw the birth certificate the other day for the first time and it was really emotional to see both of their names on there um, as mother and yeah, we got I a bit teary. I think that just shows how far we've come. <laughs> that is so beautiful. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> no, that's okay. Um, yeah, we had a moment. Let's have a moment. Um, so, I mean, legally speaking, I am not a parent or a legal guardian of this child. Uh, so, I mean, I don't think that they can pursue for child support. And even if they do, I'm not a parent. So, um, like I said, I'm not sure how that goes with um, your SMBC listeners, um, having donors, whether they're on the birth certificate or not yeah. on the birth certificate. No, so you have to get, you get documentation from the clinic that says that this was done using an anonymous donor and there's nothing on the birth certificate. Yeah. Did you factor that into the um, the donation agreement that you had as well? Was that one of the things that were in it? Oh, yes. Um, no, we definitely talked about uh, finances and um, financial, financial obligations, parental decisions, um, things like that. So, you know, they make all the decisions. They're the parents. I'm yep. the biological father. Very big separation of, of duty and responsibility. Um, I like to say I outsource the parenting. I get all the bragging rights. Um, so, you know, um, as far as finance or support is concerned, um, there are no obligations on me, but I also don't get the parental rights that the two of them get. 
Do you get any say if they were to make really big decisions like potentially moving countries? Uh, yes. So we talked about um, big, yeah, big ticket items, big life decisions on both sides. So, you know, if I were to say move overseas or if they wanted to move overseas uh, and yes, yeah, something like that, which would affect, I guess, access, um, we would talk through uh, together before that would happen. Um, as far as making all of the decisions for him and for his well-being and for his future, they get to make those decisions. Um, I've said, you know, if it's a big one, I'd like to be consulted. Um, it's not required. It's not, it's not like they can't make a decision without me. They're well within their rights to do so, but I don't think they would. I think that they would be like, hey, we're thinking about X, Y, Z. What do you think? And they would ask for my opinion. So... Uh, things are pretty good like that. I think we were in a really lucky situation. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, I guess for both sides, if you're going into a non-donor situation, you just have to make sure you've had the, the awkward conversations early, everyone's on the same page, and where possible documented as well because everyone goes into these sort of things with all the best intentions, but we can't predict the future, unfortunately. And especially, like you yeah. say, if, if relationships break down or all those other things. So make sure you have them early. And I just hope you never have to deal with it. <laughs> well, make sure you have them before there is a baby. Yes, yes. <laughs> you know, have them have them when it is a hypothetical concept because you don't know. You might ask one of those awkward questions and you might get an answer you're not expecting and that might go, ooh, okay. Mm -hmm. um, and you might want to rethink your, your decision. Well, like I said, knock on wood, and luckily that didn't happen with us, but I can see how different people might go into a situation like this with different expectations. And if everyone is not very clear uh, at the outset about what is expected, you know, if, if you wait until you're six months pregnant and then someone goes, oh, I'm thinking about moving, you know, that that's huge. So you have to, have to talk this stuff through at the very outset is, is my advice. Definitely very good advice. I guess the only one left is any advice for people considering a known donor or if they were going to ask someone how to go about that? Uh, okay. Um, so advice for other people about how to ask, you mean? Mm. Yeah. Um, look, I'll, I'll be honest, in my head, when, when I played out the hypothetical situation of someone asking me, I assumed that we would all sit down together and they would ask me in person. Uh, but the fact that it happened differently for us, I'm actually really quite grateful because it did allow me that reaction. It allowed me that, you know, I didn't have to think about what my face was doing or what my thoughts were playing across my face or anything like that. I got to have that reaction to myself and then respond. Um, so it might seem a little strange, hey, they asked you in a Facebook message, but it was actually really quite respectful um, in hindsight uh, so that I could process it and then respond. Um, so it may not be <laughs> the way everyone wants to do it, but for me, that worked. That was really cool um, from a donor perspective. Thumbs up. Um, one of the things that I guess I would say as well is if you're going to keep the news quite private, because, you know, every, every journey is a bit different. Some of them take quite a long time. Um, so, you know, you may not be so lucky and it may take a little 
while with your donor and you're going on this journey, all of you together. Um, so, you know, we, we weren't telling a lot of people about the situation ahead of time. Um, but I did have one friend. I said, look, I'm going to tell this one friend. They're going to be like my little support person. Yeah. And I'm going to tell them all the updates and things so that I have someone to bounce things off that's not us, that's, you know, because the three of us are on this little journey at the moment. I need a support person that I can kind of call up and go, oh, my God, this happened today um, so that I don't burst with this enormous secret that, you know, you go on this journey together and yeah and they've got each other to be that person you don't have you one of those yeah yeah so um so that was really good i said i asked them if i could have that person they said for sure absolutely um yeah i'm just trying to think of other other pieces of advice um so i think one i've picked up from what you've told me about your journey is if you're not using a clinic so if you're trying more at home insemination way it's probably still really good if you can organize to have some of those counseling sessions to make sure that everyone's on the same page for making that decision you get it i would highly clinic, recommend it but yeah. yeah for sure um even even if as you say you're not going through a clinic and they're not required i still think that they are very useful and very valuable uh tools because even if, especially if it's a friend, uh, you know, sometimes we don't tell our friends everything, um, depending on the dynamic. And you want to be honest, you want to be open, you want to discuss things very plainly. So I think that having that counsellor there as a, not a mediator, but a conduit, I guess, someone who's going to make sure that you do discuss all the things that you need to tease out any any niggly questions and things like that, I, I highly recommend definitely doing that. Any other bits of advice that you can think of? Uh, not really. I mean, we we got very lucky. As I said, everything worked first go. Um, you know, the the clinic was pretty good about everything. I, I can only tell you from, from a donor perspective. I don't, I don't know exactly what the girls went through at the clinic, uh, but everything seemed fine, uh, seemed pretty smooth. Um, yeah, no, it was just a really great experience. I felt very honoured to be asked. Um, it's probably the most important thing I've ever done. Um, and to to get to be a part of that is just really awesome. And I'm, I'm so grateful to have been asked. It's really beautiful. I know a lot of people will put their mind at ease having this perspective of a donor as well when knowing, you know, what they're doing. Also oh good i'm glad it was really um great of you to ask me on your podcast I, uh, as i said i've listened to your other episodes and um uh, i know i'm obviously not a single mom by choice but uh, hopefully uh can yeah give give some other people out there some perspective and and some confidence in uh, in the process i was gonna say you're pretty much a, an expert single mom by choice now aren't you <laughs> after listening <laughs> Oh, and now one more thing that I just thought of that I wanted to share with your um, your listeners. Uh, we actually use this app called Tiny Beans, um, which you can download from um, the App Store, I believe, or, or from Google Play. I think it's on both. And um, what that is, is I know that a lot of people um, don't really like putting photos of their kids up on social media and out into the public space. Uh, so what Tiny Beans allows you to do is you create 
basically a little social media page just for the child mm -hmm. uh, and you provide logins and passwords to the people that you want to share things with. Uh, so you can load up photos, videos, all that kind of stuff and people can like them and comment on them, but they're not in a public sphere. You have to have a login to be able to view it. So um, the girls set that up, which is really great because it means that even if I can't see them every day, I can log in, kind of take a look and see what they're up to. And it's a really cool way to keep in touch uh, without sort of splashing photos all over socials um, so I thought that um, your listeners might like to hear about that because everyone that I've kind of told about it is really interested as well so yeah that sounds great and I think especially some of the the people who are starting to make contact with donor siblings that would be a really nice way that they can share those photos and they kind of by the sounds you can go on and see them ongoing as well which is just yeah. a nice safe environment thanks for yeah. sharing that tip <laughs> sure well, thank you so much for your time tonight, Mike. It was really generous of you to, to come on board and I can't wait for everyone to hear the episode. Thanks, Alicia. I'm Alicia and this is the No Need for Prince Charming podcast, bringing you stories of Australian solo mums who created their own happy ending. If you like what you heard, please follow or subscribe to make sure you don't miss out on future episodes and leave a like, a review or share with your friends to help others find it easier. Bye for now.